This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 5th, 2017. Broken body restored. Lent. It runs from Ash Wednesday through Holy Saturday, the day before Easter. It's a time of preparation as we spiritually prepare for Jesus' last days, for his journey to the cross, for his sacrifice for you and me. It's a time for us to recognize our sinful nature, to recognize our mortality, to recognize our need for a Savior. As a result, Lent is a time during which many Christians pay special attention to daily prayer and devotion, to repenting of their sins, to self-denial through fasting in one form or another. During the 2017 season of Lent, our focus will be on brokenness and the restoration that Jesus brings. As humans, we experience brokenness in so many ways, physically, emotionally, psychologically, socially, spiritually. Each and every one of us is broken in one way or another. It's, it's one of those shared human experiences. We often try to heal the brokenness ourselves only to realize that, that we can never quite make that happen. Only to realize that it is Christ and Christ alone who brings the healing, the restoration that we need. That's our focus from now till Easter. We're so glad you're with us on this journey. morning connection church we are so glad that you're with us on this journey my name is Carrie Jones and we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would you pray with us please Almighty God we thank you so much for this day a day that you've made a day that you've brought us in here it's no accident and Lord now settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered and said, Amen. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teacher of the law began thinking to themselves, who can this fellow who, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, 
he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, say it with me, we have seen remarkable things today. And so this morning our focus is on the story of the paralyzed man. It's a story told here by Luke. It's a, also found in the Jesus accounts that are shared by Matthew and Mark in the New Testament. Now just prior to this story, we're told by Luke that, that news of Jesus was so widespread that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of sickness. Luke also tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And so we're reminded by Jesus' actions here that, that we need prayer, not only when we face life's challenges, but also when we're finding success. As Craig Bourne shares in his book, An, An Extravagant Mercy, most of us are pretty good about praying or receiving prayer when we're in need, when, you know, when we're in trouble, when we're hurting. But how about when things are going well? For example, when a friend tells us uh, that they just got their dream job, <laughs> what, what would be the reaction if we said, oh, really? I'll pray for you. Think about that, because it's usually when people come with us with problems, with challenges, we say, oh, I'll pray for you, but not when they come with their successes. It's pretty funny when that happens. But as Jesus knew, success can be draining, and we need to fill our spiritual tanks with prayer. In addition, success at times can be more dangerous than failure in our spiritual life. When we're getting the approval of others, we sometimes forget that we need God more than ever. It's really interesting to note where Luke places this story in his account of Jesus. It's the first of several stories referred to as controversy stories, according to preacher and theologian Fred Craddock. These are the stories that share with us typical controversies that Jesus found himself in, that Jesus faced in his ministry. Uh, things like forgiving of sin or socializing with those who were believed to be sinners. Fasting, the observance of Sabbath. Jesus created a lot of controversy wherever Jesus went. Now, these stories are not necessarily told chronologically. As Luke introduces them with words like one day or after this or one Sabbath. Instead, Luke places these stories together to show the controversy and the conflict that Jesus had with the Pharisees who were the keepers of the law. They were the gatekeepers of the religious law. So picture that against the backdrop of Jesus' heightened popularity with the crowds. So back to the story. Jesus is teaching. There's quite a crowd, including the Pharisees and, and other teachers of the law, from all over the place, we're told. We're not told why they're there. 
Perhaps they're there to check out why Jesus has become so popular. Perhaps they're there to check out whether he is teaching within the bounds of the religious law. Here's what we are told. We're told the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And so a paralyzed man is carried on a mat by some of his friends. But they're unable to get to Jesus because the house where he is healing is filled with people. It's crowded. He, they can't get in to see him. And these houses, thick walls because it's in the heat. It's a hot place. Not many windows. They're dark and it's crowded. And so these friends of this paralytic are so determined to get him in front of Jesus, they're willing to do just about anything to help their friend in need. And so they climb to the roof. Uh, we want to understand those houses had like outside steps to go up to the roof. And, 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 and then they remove part of the roof, part of the ceiling. Our version in Luke says tiles. And in Mark's version, he talks, says they dug through the roof. And kind of like a, a sticks and thatch kind of a mud kind of a roof up there so they could dig through it. Can you imagine being in the crowd below? Can you imagine being the homeowner? <laughs> I hope he had insurance anyway, uh, with a low deductible. Anyway, um, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're feeling this stuff dropping on your head, and then you look up, and, and <laughs> I don't know if they lifted it out or if it just dropped, but anyway, and all of a sudden, this dark room, there's light, like, woo, from above, and then you see this guy being lowered down, and the one bird, not Luke, I think Mark says, four guys lowering him down. That has got to be one of the wildest scenes that these guys had ever seen, don't you think? And there's a crowd there. Now, either they did a mosh pit thing and they're all holding him up, or they spread out and he came down to the floor. But, you know, somehow they had to make some space for this guy, and everybody's looking, probably wondering what's going on. Pretty wild. But here's the thing. Those are some faithful friends. Those are some faithful friends. They're determined. They are determined, and they're determined because they're desperate, because their friend is broken. His body is broken, and they want to help him. And the thing is, somehow they've heard, somehow they've heard that this guy, Jesus, brings restoration for those who are broken. And so they bring him in front of Jesus because Jesus can restore. And you know, when I was... Reading this story this week, I was just wondering, would I be that faithful? Would you be that faithful? Wow. Well, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, do you notice something in this scripture that's very interesting? Did you catch that it was when Jesus saw their faith, it wasn't the faith of the paralytic. It was the faith of the friends. When Jesus saw their faith, it made a difference. Here's something for us to remember. We are not able to be a proxy for a personal relationship for someone else. I can't save you. You can't save me. It's only through our own personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus. But 
You can be a conduit. You can be a vessel. You can create an environment where it's ripe for someone to take that one more step that we talk about so much. You know, it was in this case the, the faith of the friends that the man otherwise would not have been able to be in the presence of Jesus. How was he going to get there? He couldn't move. He couldn't walk. And so it was because of the friend's persistence and faithfulness. And Jesus recognized that. Jesus recognized that so that the man could come face to face with his Savior. When you think about it, don't most of us come from a somewhat similar situation? I'll just ask a question. How many are here because of someone else? Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe a friend, an acquaintance. How many are here? All right, watch this now. How many of you are here because your mom or your dad invited you when you were little? Maybe not here in this place, but... Uh, Doing church. Yeah, doing church. I know you guys. I know it, you guys. They grew up with me in church. <laughs> and definitely our daughter, yes. <laughs> and, and maybe it was a parent. Uh, I know for a, not a parent, but a parent. Uh, I know that's for Carrie and me. That, that, neither of us can tell you the exact hour, minute, day, whatever that we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, neither of us can. And part of that, I think, is because we can't remember a time when we weren't in church. We can't remember a time when we didn't know who Jesus was. Now, you know, our relationship now is certainly different than it was when we were four, okay? And, and it's gotten deeper and closer and, 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 and more intimate with time. But when I, I mean, I strain and I can't tell you, boom, that's the moment. It's more like a, from zero to there. Yeah, yeah. And it's more like you said, an unfolding flower, as it. Um, and um, that's not to say God isn't a real part of our life, that Jesus isn't our Lord and Savior, and that we haven't committed our lives to Him. But because of that invite from our parents, <laughs> you know, uh, we've never really known other than that. Our, our relationship with Jesus began thanks to someone else, thanks to the faith of our parents. Yeah. So it's important to remember with that invite, it's not that our parents saved us, but our parents put us in a position to make that decision for ourselves. You can make that help somebody through a conversation, through your actions. We talk about being Jesus with skin on. God can use you to help create an environment so that someone else might, just might, just might take one more step to believing that Jesus loves them beyond measure, that Jesus cares for them no matter what their faults, no matter what their mess-ups. Again, we don't save people only Jesus. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, had this, uh, he often said, offer them Christ. And we can do that in such a variety of ways. We had a code purple here on Friday night, and so an environment was created so that 
people could be warm and dry and in from the cold. And maybe uh, we might not get in somebody's face about Jesus, but you create this environment where they're just a little bit more ready to receive. That kind of thing most likely oftentimes can translate into someone's salvation when they make that commitment with Christ. So our th theme through this season of Lent, through this season of preparation for Jesus' last days, this season of preparations for de uh, Jesus' death on the cross, our, our theme is brokenness. Brokenness. And as we said in the video bump this morning before the message, we, we experience brokenness in so many ways. We uh, experience physically, emotionally, psychologically, socially, spiritually, to name a few. Hmm. In our scripture reading this morning, the man's most apparent form of brokenness, notice I say most apparent, was physical. Unable to walk, paralyzed, paralyzed. And in fact, his brokenness was so bad that his friends had to literally carry him in. It's interesting, though, as we read scripture, because I've read this passage I don't know how many times. I'm sure I heard it when we were kids in Sunday school. You know, it's one of those stories we hear. Um, I say that because young ladies in the front row here, went to, we went to Sunday school together a few years ago. Anyway, we, those stories, you, you over and over. And yet, if, if you allow the Holy Spirit to wake you up, there's always a fr something fresh. I, I'm reading it for, for the message this morning, and it, and I realized I had always in my mind's eye pictured the paralyzed guy as a young man. I don't know why. I, I always pictured him as a young guy. And that the guys carrying him were young guys. Of course, at my age now, most everybody's a young guy. But I mean somebody maybe in their 20s or something like that. And, I, and it dawned on me, it never says that. I mean, this guy could have been an old guy. He could have been 50, 60, 70 years old. It doesn't say. And it doesn't really change the story, but it gives you kind of a different perspective because if he was, that's a, he could have been paralyzed for a very, very, very long time. That could have been his norm for virtually his, you know, forever. And the guys that were carrying him, they, they could have been old too. They're, they're not these young, you know, studs carrying him up these outside steps. They could have been Four old guys like me trudging up there with bad knees trying to get up to the top stuff. And all of a sudden, this story then takes on a whole new meaning of, wow, those guys must have really loved him. <laughs> and not just faithful, but man, oh man, they were really, really digging just to get him up on that roof to lower him down. Wow. So that's an example of why we encourage everybody to read Scripture to be engaged in the Word of God because you can read something 10 times or 100 times, but God can take that and stretch it and turn it and speak to us in beautiful, beautiful ways. So hang in there, stick in with your reading plan. We hope it's going well for you. So in this uh, particular story that we're talking about in Luke chapter 5, there appears to be some connection between this man's sin and his ability to walk. Now, we are not saying that our physical 
infirmities are due to sin. But in this particular scripture, there appears to be some kind of link. It's not spelled out clearly for us. It tends to be a mystery. But the truth is that, well, this is important to hear. Sin does paralyze. Sin paralyzes. It paralyzes each and every one of us in a number of ways. Uh, in one of the commentaries that we read to prepare for this, it was written that sin cripples us, it binds us, and it enslaves us. Not physically, necessarily, as in the case of the paralytic man in our story, but the truth is sin does cripple, bind, and enslave us just the same. Sin separates us from God and from others. We've said this many times. What is the letter in the middle of S and N? I. Yeah. And you know what? When it's all about I, when it's all about me, when I become the center of my universe, of the world, that really sets me up to sin against God and others. No matter what, uh, what we do, a lot of times it really has to do with us being in the center. And here's the thing, that can be paralyzing in our lives. And the only solution to the paralysis, the only solution to the sin that cripples us and binds us and enslaves us, the only solution is to accept the relationship that Jesus gives us, which is free, no strings attached, and then we experience the freedom, and we experience the love, and we experience the forgiveness that is there for us just just say thank you to, and the paralysis is gone. That is such good news. As Jesus told the paralyzed man that his sins were forgiven, it is Jesus and Jesus alone that can tell you that your sins are forgiven and that can free you. Somebody else can't do that. It can help lead you to an environment where it's setting you up to receive, but it's Jesus and Jesus alone. And here's the cool thing when we think about the uh, scripture today of, in Luke 5 and the paralyzed man. When you're forgiven, it's like we can pick up our mats and we can get on our feet and go home. And home, in this case, is home with Christ, home in a relationship that is absolutely one that carries us, literally, through our times of joys and challenges. Hmm. And so we have the Pharisees and others, uh, uh, the teachers of the law, I would say they're functioning as the spiritual FBI, so to speak. Uh, they were outraged that this man, Jesus, told the paralytic that his sins were forgiven. They, they called it blasphemy. Blasphemy, which means to show contempt or lack of reverence for God. They said it was blasphemy because who but God can forgive sin? Unfortunately for them, they didn't have the perspective that we do today. We, we agree that it is God and God alone who can forgive sin. But see, the thing is, we know that Jesus is God. He's God's own son, part of the 
community of God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is able to forgive sin because he bought that sin from us. He paid the price that we can't pay with his blood, with his very life, as he hung on the cross, breathed his last dying for each and every one of us. He can forgive sin. He does forgive sin. So what the Pharisees and others were unable to see that day, and what we're able to see now, is that God forgave the sin, God in the form of a man, a man, Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Jesus. Jesus, who is fully human, who is fully human, just like us, but also fully divine. He was God. Mm. It's really cool how God works sometimes. I, I have this devotional that I read. Actually, I've read through this thing like three. It's my third trip through. I just really enjoy it. But the, the devotion the morning that I was really focused on this message, check out what God gave me that, that morning. He said, God did not become human that we might become gods, but that we might become more fully human. God alone is whole and complete, lacking nothing. Creatures, by contrast, always seem to have some mark of dependency, some painful grace that keeps them close to their creator. That is because brokenness <laughs> is an essential characteristic of being human. It's also our best opportunity to live with a Savior. Only in recent years, with our satisfaction over individual wholeness, have we assumed that our humanity is not supposed to have any chips or blemishes or bruises on it? Now we even think we have a right to have it all. Perfect health, perfect relationships, perfect job satisfaction, and grief-free living. <laughs> Yet, perfection is not the biblical depiction of creatures. The Bible describes us as a people who need a savior. There is no time when that is more obvious than when our dreams break apart. And so to be human means to be broken. <laughs> you, me, everybody is broken one way or another cool thing is we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there because we have a Savior. And we have a Savior who's in the restoration business. And his name is Jesus. Let's say it again. Jesus. His name is Jesus. He restores our broken bodies, restores our broken hearts, restores our broken souls. So I've been thinking about this scripture for the last week and wondering where in my life have I experienced a paralysis like this man experienced. Now, I certainly haven't had a physical paralysis, but I have experienced paralysis before a number of times. One time that was perhaps the most paralyzing was when I was paralyzed with fear. It was a time long ago 
and I've also shared this before, but it's when uh, my parents, after 30 years, divorced. We were married, and I became paralyzed with fear that the same thing would happen to me, to us, and that we wouldn't make it. Because I perceived my parents' marriage as perfect. No marriage is perfect. But I perceived that. And so when, when that wasn't the reality of, of the life of, of my life and my siblings, I started projecting this self-fulfilling prophecy that it was going to happen to us. And so I didn't have words around this at the time, but I began pulling away, pulling away from our relationship over time. It, it wasn't a day or a week, but it was actually months that extended close to year. And when I was finally able to say, wow, something is truly out of whack, and I realized the fear that was gripping my heart and affecting my relationship and actually affecting our children, although they, pro they did not know about what was going on, because I didn't either, I got some help, it was identified, and then I was able to go to God I could have gone to God the whole time and it's like, what's going on? But I wasn't really listening or ready. And then it was identified and I was able to, to repent, to say, gosh, God, I, I let this get in the way of an important relationship in my life. And then to be able to be restored and freed from that. So the question today for you is how are you broken? Where's the brokenness in your life? And to take that one step further, is there a place where you feel paralyzed or gripped where it's hard to even breathe or move? Doesn't have to be your entire life, but it could be a portion of your life. Where is it? Where are you enslaved or where, where are you bound up? Because Jesus is ready to heal you. Jesus is ready to release you. And Jesus is ready to free you from that spot. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing some people want to say yeah. And those of you who have experienced that in whatever pocket of your life, you know, and we just want it for everybody. So the first way is to just um, to go to God, and we're going to do this. And it's like saying, God, um, I'm sorry, reveal to me or show me or help me. So we're going to have this prayer of um, talking to God one-on-one. -on -one. It could be a prayer of confession. And then we're going to move into Holy Communion, where Jesus gives us, Jesus knows that we're desperate, and Jesus knows that we have these paralyzing situations and places in our lives. And Jesus gave us a symbol because when he left the earth and is, sits at the right hand of you know, his Father in heaven, and we don't have him like here in the face anymore, he left us a symbol of Holy Communion, his, his body represented by the bread and his blood that we can take in, and that's the juice. So let's just um, spend a moment and pause and pray one-on-one -on -one to God.
Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Connecting people.